Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson-Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I'm so happy to have Linda Babulik on. And I probably did not pronounce that properly, and I do apologize in advance. But Linda and I had a call last week to talk about her being on the show. And I was so excited because everything she was talking about, I not only resonated with, but it's something I teach and train you guys on all the time. So today she's joining us to talk about juicy, effective communication. Plus, she's got an interesting story to share about her experiences with publishing her first book, Zest Your Life. And and the things that happened to her working with a publisher. So we're going to talk about that today because there's things that you need to know. Now, Linda helps leaders crystallize what they want in business and life so that they are in power and control. And then she helps them build a strategy to align, amplify, and attract their zesty dreams. She's done keynote speeches, coaching, consulting, workshops, books. Alinda addresses the growing need for connection. And her mission is to move you from a place of power person, is to move you to a place, not from, but to a place of power, perseverance, and zest. So welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you so much. And you did pretty good on the name. It's Babulik. Babulik. At the night before my wedding, my nephew said, you're getting married tomorrow. You should learn how to pronounce your new name, Aunt Linda. <laughs> okay. I better get it right. <laughs> so, all forgiven. I learned. You know, that kind of leads us into the power of communication. Absolutely. Because sometimes we think we are saying things the right way, and people perceive them very differently than what we think we're saying. Absolutely. It happens all the time. All right. So, Linda, I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of your story. All right. Well, uh, I think you've covered off some of it. In my professional career, I have a resume a mile long. I call myself a zesty executive life coach. And that's what I work primarily with women. Although as soon as I say that, of course, then men want to work with me. And that's okay, because I've worked with a couple of great men too. What I do is I help people get really clear on what it is that they want. And every client that has ever come to me has been in a state of confusion. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going or my business is stuck. It's not growing as much as I want to. I've got staff problems, whatever it is. And that's one of the unique things that I bring to the table that other coaches don't bring. I will train the staff also. So the CEO tells me what's going on. 
I customize my training on, say, time management, effective meeting techniques, uh, effective conversation techniques, sales techniques. I put all of that together and I address the problems in the room without the staff ever knowing that I know who the troublemakers are in the room. <laughs> and it's fun because after they go, oh, you know, I never realized I do that. It's like, yeah, you do. And then they all work on it together. Nobody is centered out. So the people that I work with, they absolutely love that now their staff and their CEO are aligned together. They're headed in the same direction. Because like you say, sometimes you think your staff knows where you want to go. <laughs> they're not there at all. And I like how you do that because you allow people to come to their own conclusions. So instead of centering them out, you explain situations, you explain things that you've seen in other situations, and all of a sudden people are going, oh, wait, I do that. Maybe I'm causing the problem. And then they take ownership, right? Whereas opposed, if you come at them and say, you're doing this, then their defense walls come up and they're not listening to you. Absolutely. That's exactly what happens. A good example of that in an office, when people were all working in an office together, you always get the one person who's the visitor comes and leans on your door, have a minute, and they ask the same stupid questions all the time. They're killing time because they don't want to do the work or whatever it is, but they're the interrupter. Yes. And we waste our time almost the same way every day. So we take a good look at where are you wasting time, time wasters. You know, it's funny you say that because I work from home and I've had to put some systems in place because my daughter is the talker. Now she doesn't realize always that she's doing it but she comes lean on my door she comes sits in my office I'm trying to work and she's talking to me right and I realize you know yeah I've, sometimes I've got to just stop and spend some time with her but she is an adult it's not like she's a child right and sometimes I just have to look at her I'm like and I just stop and I look at her until she's done and then after a while she realizes um I interrupted you didn't I uh-huh because I just sit there I don't say anything I just look at her while she's talking <laughs> And it's like, yes, sweetheart. So sometimes what I've done now is if I'm either, you know, if, if my husband and my daughter are in the house and I'm recording a call or doing a workshop or, you know, I'm just working on something really important, I close my door. And they know if my door is closed, that means don't interrupt me right now, unless it's an emergency. <laughs> I have the quiet sign from a hotel on my door. When I close it and that sign's up, that either means I'm on a call or I'm writing and I don't want to be interrupted. But that's one of the juicy, effective conversation techniques right there that I teach is when you approach someone, is this a good time? Am I interrupting? Do you have, shall I come back in five minutes? Ask permission. You know, people call you, they start yapping away. And it's like, you know, you're interrupting my life right now. You didn't even say, do you have a minute? You know, nothing. They just start right in and they expect you're going to drop everything. So that's a really good way to warm into a conversation is to ask permission. Is this a good time? And tell people what your expectation is. I need one minute. I need five minutes. This is going to take about a half an hour. I really need you to give me your input. And be honest. Absolutely. Don't say it's going to take one minute when you know it's going to take 10 to 15. Absolutely. And then at the end, say thank you for your time. So how did you end up becoming a coach? What kind of led you in your life to go from corporate to coaching? 
It started with the first coaching I think I did formally, formally was when I was um, a leader with Boy Scouts of Canada. And I was selected to be one of the trainers on our training programs. And I just loved it. And then I got into the corporate training uh, world when um, there was the auto parts suppliers to Honda. And they went to the uh, continuing education division of the school board. And they said, we're looking for some training for our employees. And I met with the head of HR for this one company. And he had a book that somebody wanted to sell 50 copies of that book to his entry-level managers, that some of them didn't even have high school education. So I said, you're going to waste your money, but I can write you a program that's going to work. So that's when I put together the fundamentals of leadership, which is effective conversations, problem solving, conflict resolution, and focus on people. And a lot of that is in my book. That's written in more of a corporate kind of settings. I translated it and tweaked it a bit, you know, to asking good questions, asking powerful questions. And I changed it more into personal relationships in my book. So what has been the hardest part, would you say, going from, say, uh, you know, corporate job or corporate type situations where, you know, you have a guaranteed amount of money coming in to now a situation as an entrepreneur where you have to generate your own money? I don't know. I just sort of fell into being an entrepreneur. And I never worry about, is the money coming in? Is the money not coming in? It just happens. And I've only been back in Ottawa after being away for 17 years, for six and a half years. And I didn't really plan on doing coaching here. And I met someone and she said, do you do coaching? And the bubble over my head said, I do now. And that's how I started my coaching practice back up again here in Ottawa, which I had done before. I did mostly group training when I was in the Barrie area. And now I'm, I do one-on-one. I do groups. I've got some online programs. Yeah. So for you guys listening, Linda lives in Ontario, Canada, which is the same province as I do. And uh, she lives about six hours away from me, but she used to live about an hour away from me. So we, we do have some connections and we kind of know some of the same people and some of the same areas. Those of you who are listening from different parts of Canada and, and the United States. All right, so Linda, I know you come prepared with some really juicy tips for us on communication today. So I'm going to let you loose to share what you've prepared for us today. So let's start with that because originally I had called my chapter effective communication. But communication and conversations are two different things. So we need to keep that in mind, that what we want to have to build relationships is a conversation. We're communicating when we say, take this book from here, move it over to there. That's communication. Conversation is different than that. Conversation is about building that relationship, having it go both ways. So there are some key components in there. And I find this is really important when we're networking, whether it's online impression or if it's a face-to-face networking. I have a program called Powerful First Impressions. The good news is you get more than one chance to make a powerful first impression. 
but you don't want to have to redo it. You want to do it right at the beginning. So to introduce yourself, you know, when people say, what do you do? They mean, how can you serve me? What do you have that I may want to buy? So there's different ways to introduce yourself. I have a client who sells insurance. Hi, what do you do? I'm in the insurance business. Boring. I don't need any insurance. But now instead they say, I'm the person that you call when your basement is flooded and you find out your policy doesn't cover it. They go, oh, what do you do? I'm in insurance. You know, I remember my brother had that same situation. His policy, and then they'll tell you the story. And you can really get to understand what they're saying inside their story. You have to listen to between the lines. So that's very important. I already mentioned questions, powerful questions. I call it judicious questioning. And there's different kinds of questions that we go through. So you could have questions that just have yes, no answers, because that's all you want. Hey, kid, do you want Rice Krispies or cornflakes? Yeah. Pick one. Or you want to open up the conversation, if you have the time, to have an open-ended question. But don't ask those if you're not prepared to listen to the whole whatever they may have to say. Uh, the other piece I wanted to share with you was how men and women converse differently. Now, it's a real challenge online because we are all facing straight on, which yep. makes us women so happy because we love to converse looking at each other. When we go to a cafe, we will sit across the table from each other. Well, I was just going to say, I had uh, watched the study uh, on TV that they had, we're talking about the study they did on TV. And basically, they took three to four-year-old boys and three to four-year-old girls. So they're old enough, but, you know, their, their gender isn't fully defined yet, you know. And what they did is they did the same experiment for boys and girls. They put them in a room and watched how they communicated with each other. All the girls sat across from each other face to face. When they talked to each other, they talked face to face. The boys sat beside each other, side by side. Have you ever walked by a construction site? Hey, what do think? Hey, hey, should we dig that hole a little deeper? You know, they're standing shoulder to shoulder. They're standing on the bank of fishing. It's just the way they do it. Now, when I had my auto parts suppliers to Honda, of course, I, the program was four weeks apart. Four hours, four weeks. So I taught them that in the first module. Wouldn't you know, one of the supervisors is going to test me. And I said, you know, test all this. Come back next week. Let's see how it goes. So he had a woman who reported to him that really wanted to talk to him. She stood right in front of him. He moved over to the side. And she moved in front of him. And he moved over to the side. He just thought it was hysterical. And he kept doing this till finally he had her cornered that she could not stand in front of him anymore. She had to stand beside him. And he said it was unbelievable. He said she could hardly get her sentence straight. It threw her right off her game. And he says, and then, of course, I turned, faced her face to face. So when you're dealing with people, that's hugely important, especially if you're disciplining or dismissing someone. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you do it in a way that's compatible for the gender that you're with. I mean, and there are exceptions, certainly. Yes. But that's a, that's a really key thing. Are there other ways that men and women communicate differently? 
Well, there's a uh, teaching that I do. I have a background in shamanic studies. And one of the things that I've learned is the wheel of needs. There's the wheel of men's needs. There's the wheel of women's needs. And the first need that women have is self-respect. And when a woman is being taken down, that's where they cut her off at the knees so that she loses her self-respect because everything else is built on that. Men, their number one need is to produce. Bring home the bacon. Hey, my wife's pregnant. I did that. And their second need is to make sure everybody knows it. Everybody knows that they produced. So those are two really big differences. So as long as we're speaking with women, when we have that encouragement of them to have self-respect, because that has to come from them, that's hugely important. I never use the word, I empower you, because or you empower me, you can't. You have to empower yourself. And that comes from having that respect of yourself. You know, it's funny you were talking about that because like I'm a very tall woman. I'm 5'10 and a half. I'm, I'm relatively big. So I have, a, I have a good, strong physical presence. And sometimes that threatens men. And I've had a few times where, you know, they just try to cut me off at the knees, right? Like they make some sort of really nasty comment or whatever. And I just look at them and I go, okay. That's all I say. I look at them, I go, oh, okay. And they have no clue what to say next, right? And I just smile at them, right? Because to me, it doesn't matter what you say about me. I know who I am, right? You can try and cut me down. You can try to embarrass me, whatever, right? And I'm just like, oh, all right. Less is more. We think we need to give a big explanation. We don't. Well, see, they want me to justify myself and I won't give them that satisfaction. Hell no. You don't need to. And I think that's something else that's really important in communication, too, is you have the right to say no, and you don't have to explain why you're saying no. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't have to justify why you're saying no. And I think that's really important for women, because we always feel like we have to justify why we're saying no, as if because we're saying no, we're now devalued, Mm -hmm. right? No, I can say no. And it changes. It's around the expectation that people have. Mm. They don't. They're often shocked when you say no, because we're trained as little girls to be polite and say yes. And when we throw our fit and say, no, I don't want that, it's not acceptable behavior. So we have to relearn that. We have to really relearn the language that gives us that self-respect, that feeling of Knowing that we have a place in the world as leaders in the world, particularly now, maybe more than ever, it's time for us to step up as leaders. And, and here's the thing. You can say no without throwing a fit. I just, many times I just say, sorry, no, I can't do that at this time. Yeah. And I've even dropped the sorry. When I worked on Parliament Hill for a member of Parliament, I heard other people say, I'm sorry he's not in. I was never sorry that he wasn't in. I would just say. He's not in at the time, at this time. Can I take a message? I just said he's not in. There was no sorry. And I think that's an overused word. True. Sorry. I think it's a Canadian overused word. (laughs) Yeah. So just, but, and sorry. Go through your book. I searched my whole book and I took out every just and but that I could pull out of there and delete to change the language. Well, from a writing perspective, and this is one thing I teach in my courses, there are words that are considered weak, 
and just as one of them. So it's not, I can't say that you never see just in our books, but it's very, it's used very specifically. And there are some few rare occasions where just is the correct word to use, but we strip most of them out of our books. You'll probably only find maybe two or three. And that's because it really, the situation really calls for the word just, but it's not just thrown in there. You see, I just, see, that's the thing. I didn't have to say just there, right? I intentionally did that. We don't throw it in there. Whereas people say, well, I, I just threw it in there. No, I threw it in there. Yeah, just throw it out too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, you know, sometimes you meet people, you say, what do you do? Well, I just work at Walmart or I'm just a housewife or I just this, I just that. When you do that, you're demeaning yourself. What does that do to your self-respect? It puts it in the tank. Yeah. If you say, I'm just a, stop it, because you're not a just a. That's right. Yeah. And anytime you say, I am, whatever follows it is what's going to happen into your life. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your book now. Your book is a Zest Your Life. And let's talk, first of all, what was it like writing? And then we'll get to the publishing side. Okay. It's Zest Your Life, A Taste of Inner Wisdom. Okay. And I started the book by, I was at a women's circle, a dream circle, and I said something and somebody said, you know, if you did a workshop on that, I'd like to hear more. So I put a series of four workshops together and I could see what a difference it was making in people's lives. The women changed right before my eyes. And then I rewrote it and I added on a vision board. So now I had five sessions. So that went through twice. Then when I rewrote it, I rewrote it as a manuscript. Mm -hmm. And how I got the name, A Taste of Inner Wisdom, was at one of those workshops. At the end, I made sure, having been a corporate trainer, I knew what time to end my workshop. I gave us an extra 15 minutes at the end of the workshop, asked everybody to tell me what they thought zest meant. And so we put all kinds of words, just completely brainstormed it. And that's how A Taste of Inner Wisdom came up. So you make a really good point there that we'll, I'll just bring up. Um, many times you can't fully come up with the title yourself. And, and unless you're really good with words. Like I, I tend to come up with a lot of my own titles. But even then, a lot of times I'll test them with other people. So, you know, if, if you're thinking about your book, and here's the other thing, too. You can write your book without ever figuring out what the title's going to be. So oh, true. And that's what happened to me, because it was going to be Zest Your Life for the Rest of Your Life. Yeah. And that, yeah, exactly. It is. It is. That's why we ended up with this. Right? So here's the thing. Some people get stuck thinking they can't start writing their book until they have the title. I've worked with over 150 people. And very rarely do we have the title at the beginning. Sometimes people do because they've already got your branding. Um, you see selling from the heart back there um, and revenue growth engine. They already had established brands. So the title was easy because it's, it's part of their established brands. But, you know, if you're thinking of writing a book, just write the book. The title will come. It, sometimes it comes as you write the book. It's part of the process of writing. This, the title kind of creates itself. Right. And sometimes it just comes through trying different things and, and thinking about it and writing down ideas and putting it out to people. And, and then all of a sudden the title hits and you know it, you just know it. Right. So 
don't don't get caught up on the title. That's exactly what happened to me. I had the book almost written. I had all those workshops done. And then it just came to me that it had to be Zest Your Life. And my next book is going to be called, a tentative title, because we always want to stay open for something else, Leading with Zest. It's about leadership. But this turned into an acronym. It wasn't that to start with. So the Zest process, zero in on exactly what you want. Get excited and emotional. The S is for success, however you define it. And when you do those three, you'll transcend and transform to a higher place. Cool. I like that. I like that. That's so cool. All right. So I think we want to really focus in, though, on your publishing experience. Why don't you talk about that? Like, talk about what it was like to publish with a publisher and what you've gone through. So to start with, I went to an author's conference and put on by a publishing house. And for six months, they hounded me, is your book finished? Is your book finished? We're really interested. You know, I'd sent them a chapter. We really want your book. I sent them my book. And the head of acquisitions said, I love it. I'm going to bring it to my acquisitions committee. And then he came back and he said, no, go. Like he had essentially hunted me down for six months and said yes. And then he said, no, this is not going to work. They say it's too woo because it comes from the heart. I said, okay, that's fine. And the good news is I would have had to buy over, they say it's over a period of 10 or 20 years, but I still would have had to buy 6,000 copies of my own book. And as you know, distributing that many thousand books is just not going to happen. No. So I would have been on the hook for all of those books, as it turned out. And I didn't know any better. It was like, okay, well, whatever. But when that didn't work out, just a month before that, I had a friend from California sitting at my dinner table. And she said, so who are you publishing with? I told her and she went, mm. And right away, I remembered that. And I said, I know who I'm going to call. I'm going to call Marsh. And in fact, she gave me an endorsement on the back of the book. And she suggested that I go with this publisher. And it worked out very, very well. Now, what I didn't know at the time was that I have copyright of the book because they can, oh, you keep your copyright to keep your copyright. But I did not have the right to distribute the book. So I could put it in chapters. I could buy a bunch of copies and bring it into chapters myself. But I could not put it in, say they had some other Kreskis, which doesn't exist anymore, or Woco. I know I'm in Walmart in the U.S. for some reason, but I couldn't, I don't have the rights to take it to a printer and print it myself, which I didn't know. That printing house was now, that publisher sold the business to somebody else. And what they discovered when he called hundreds of authors like me was, I wasn't the only one that hadn't been paid any royalties. Wow. He had two sets of books. And one is where they did their due diligence with, and the other, no royalties. You need to really, really have someone like you, Kim, that will walk you through as an expert and say, you realize this is what this means. This is what that means. Now, I'm going to be buying my rights back. Well, I already did. Uh, I have apparently a hybrid contract that because my husband is very good in the legal department, somehow we wrote the contract in a way that 
I can get my rights back without paying the $2,500 that they're demanding from everybody else. Yeah, so let's stop there for a minute. Here's the thing. One of the things I teach my clients is if you are writing your signature book that you're using to build the business, you must have all of the rights to the book, the copyrights, the distribution rights. You need to be able to do with that book what you want to do with that book. And, you know, at RTA Publishing, even though I am a publishing company, we structure it so that all of our clients have all the rights to their books. We do not require them to purchase a certain amount of books. And we actually don't take any of the royalties either. So you're paying us for the service of creating the book and, and consultation and teaching and training. Because if, if I'm teaching you to use this book to build your business, and then I have half the rights to the book, and I can limit what you can do, that, that's not right. That's why, that's why actually all of our clients self-publish. Now, we do all of the work. We write and edit and format. We design covers. You know, like even once you've got your Amazon account created, we will upload your book. But all of the royalties go to you. All of the copyright is yours. The, name, the book is registered completely under your name with nobody else on it. Now, I always ask that, you know, if you've really liked my services, please put me in the acknowledgments, right? But I don't want any rights because I want my clients to succeed. I want them to be able to do what they need to do with that book to become the most successful that they can. Yeah, absolutely. And the book has really helped my business. And certainly, you know, it's endorsed by Dr. Joe Vitale of The Secret. And Marcia Weeder, who's the CEO of Dream University. She's been on Oprah about six times. As I mentioned, Marsh Engel. And, uh, and my editor, I actually put her on the back of the book because she said she found herself getting happier as she read the book. So that's a pretty good endorsement as an editor that reads so many books. And can I say something about getting someone to endorse your book like this? Sure, go ahead. Make your list. How I ended up with Dr. Joe Vitale on my list, and he and Marsha are friends, which I did not know at the time. I sent a note to everyone I quoted in the book, asking them permission to use their quote. And the quote from Dr. Joe Vitale in it is quite extensive. So I sent a note, and in the middle of writing it, I got a little tap on the shoulder that said, ask him if he'll endorse it. The worst thing he can do is say no. Exactly. I got back a letter that said, yes, uh, you can quote me, but you need to put it cited this way, Dr. Joe Vitale, la, 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 whatever it is, and send me a sample of the kind of endorsements you're looking for. And he said, yes. It's pretty amazing. You have to ask. Because people go, how did you ask? I said, I just asked. I just asked. Because, you know, you better to have the courage to ask first. Now, I had met Marsha at a conference. So that was a little different um, because she knew who I was. But still ask. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, is you'd be amazed at how many people you actually know. Or if you go to a lot of conferences and, and different things. How many famous people you actually have some sort of connection with, right? And, and again, what does it hurt to ask? The worst that happens is they say, no, you're, you're no worse off than you are now, right? And we, we think it's, it's going to affect our self-confidence. Well, it has nothing to do with self-confidence. It has, you know, they're not saying no because they don't like you. They're just saying no sometimes because they get hundreds of requests. So they've just put in a policy that they say no. Exactly. Everybody. 
Except the and, best friend. <laughs> yeah, and you could see they all endorse each other. Yeah. And how I met Marsha Weeder, it's a funny little story. I was living north of Barrie at the time, and we're walking down the hall, and she said, oh, where are you from? I said, I live in a little cabin in the woods in Canada. And she started to laugh. I said, that amuses you? She said, yes, I live in a penthouse in Beverly Hills. <laughs> so I sent a copy of my book to her at 90210. <laughs> Isn't that a blast? And that's why she remembered me. And I met her at another conference, and I said, hi, it's Linda Babulik. And she said, I said, zest your life. Oh, yes, I remember you. Right away, she remembered because I'm zesty. I'm always wearing orange. I wear my brand. I wear my colors. I drive a little orange Volkswagen Beetle. Like, it's to the nth degree. See? Orange. <laughs> holding up items for those of you on the podcast that are all orange. Yeah. So, Lindo, just before we close up, how can people connect with you? If they've liked what you said today, how can they find out more about you and how you can help them? Well, I would love to have a conversation with them. And I think I, se I sent you my connection link. If you put those in the show notes, that's great to connect with me. And my website is lindababulik.com. And my book is available on Amazon all over the place, it seems. It's at amazon.ca.uk.com. That's where you can find a copy of my book. And it has exercises in it. It comes with many bonuses. You can download the exercises into a workbook. Wherever it's shaded, it has affirmations that I've formatted in a way that you can actually print them on mailing labels. And I give them out at conferences. And the favorite one of all is, and the men love to wear it, I'm a zesty woman. <laughs> so I have that. I have a meditation that is also a bonus that's included in there. You have quite a few nice bonuses waiting for you when you buy the book. Well, thank you so much. This has been Linda Babulik and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author Third Authority podcast. Just want to quickly remind you of the Author to Authority Facebook group. If you enjoy the podcast and would like something more interactive and to learn more about becoming the authority in your niche, go to Facebook, type in author to authority and request to join the group. I'd love to have you on there and actually to be able to personally share with you uh, the steps to becoming to authority. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great day and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift for you. I'd like to invite you to download a sample of my newest book, Author to Authority, coming out this year. If you enjoy the podcast, you will enjoy learning how becoming an author can change not only your life, but your business as well. Go to www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free dash sample. So that is www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free sample. Have a great day and stay safe.